And a very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. This program is broadcast every Sunday evening from 6 to 8 and in it I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And my guest tonight is Matthew Lombard, who's a South African but studying at the University of the University of California at Los Angeles. He's doing his doctorate in saxophone. Welcome to the program. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. Hi. Sounds like a good American <laughs> greeting. How long have you been in America? I've been there for two years now, um, and I have one year of my program left, so I'm almost done. And this will be the sort of climax of your studies, will it? Absolutely. This, is, this has been a dream of mine for quite some time, and uh, having completed my master's degree in Manchester a few years back, uh, this was the logical next step for me, and I'm very happy that it's coming to an end soon. <laughs> Gosh, how long have you been studying? Many years now. It's been it's been broken up into sections, and I've managed to uh, work in between the different programs, uh, which has really helped me. Um, but I suppose all in all, I've probably been studying almost eight or nine years already. But now uh, one more year, and then you'll have your doctorate, and from a very prestigious university. Yes, absolutely. I'm very fortunate to be there. It's an incredible opportunity for me. Is it a sort of mecca for what you are doing? Um, I think the U.S. is kind of a mecca for what I'm doing in general, and and that's been great because uh, we we have so many opportunities on that side to uh, even see sort of local being American festivals and things like that. It's great. And you are specializing in the saxophone, uh, but also you are the founder of the South African Saxophone Society. That's right. So uh, one of my big projects back here in South Africa is um, has been for quite some time uh, to develop the state of saxophone education here and saxophone performance. And it's improving? I feel that it is. There's, there's a bigger enthusiasm and we're constantly seeing um, more and more students picking up the instrument and more and more professionals taking it up to. Well, it's also very interesting that over the past few months we've had several saxophone players here on People of Note. So there's obviously a sort of heightened awareness of saxophones and saxophone playing. Mm. Uh, for me, that's very encouraging because I, every week I hear of a new person that's coming out. I mean, David Saleras, uh, Doug Masek, who's out now for the symposium. Uh, there's, there's so many players coming out that I'm always hearing about, and it's, it's really encouraging. And, of course, that has a spin-off locally also because people are then made aware of the saxophone, become interested in it, and then start to learn it. Absolutely, yes. And obviously you've had some good teaching here in South Africa, and one of the people who's done some arrangements for you is William Halbrich, and this is Afri Sax, it's called, and this is you playing. That was my guest in People of Note, Matthew Lombard, playing a piece called Afri Sax by William Halbrich. Just tell us about that. This is a fantastic piece of music. Uh, in this recording, I was joined by um, Los Angeles-based saxophone player Chika Inoue, uh, and the piece is one of the one of the few compositions uh, here that really embraces the the African um, indigenous feel, uh, and is written for soprano and alto saxophone and uh, pre-recorded backing. And it was written for Doug Masek, who's with me on tour here with the South African Saxophone Symposium. Um, and I've really enjoyed bringing that to American audiences particularly because it's so distinctly African. 
somehow the saxophone seems to sit very well in South Africa. We've had some fantastic saxophone players from here, and it's used a lot in sort of indigenous music making. Yes, um, especially in the in the jazz scene, um, you, we, we've got such fantastic players here. It's incredible to see it. And one thing that I'm looking to push more is to bring out more of the classical players um, and also to encourage more South African composers to write for the instrument uh, in a classical setting. But also with an African sort of background and feel, maybe. Well, we've got, that's the other thing, we've got such a variety of composers here. I mean, we've, we just have an incredible amount of talent that I feel uh, would be even more highlighted uh, in the saxophone world w with all the possibilities of the saxophone as an instrument. I think it's great that you can go the indigenous African route and you can go the European route and all of that is, is really great to celebrate in this country. And do you find that when you play these pieces, for example, this Afri-Sax piece by Willie Harbrick, that people in other parts of the world are then keen to take it on and, and play it themselves? I think so. Um, we, you don't always, as a performer, get a lot of feedback from the audience necessarily, but um, I've had a lot of interest in the music of South African composers by particularly American players who are always looking to expand the repertoire and find new things to play and um, do different things from what they're used to. And I uh, remember from a few weeks back when Doug Masick was here on the program, he has had a lot of music written for him. He has, and his time spent in South Africa was extremely beneficial to the saxophone world here. Um, like I said, I, I met him maybe 10, 12 years ago, uh, and he encouraged my interest in the instrument in a big way. Uh, and in terms of composers, he, he doesn't commission music. He, the composers want to write for him because they hear him and they're so inspired by him. Uh, and that's been a great thing. I mean, like I said, William Holbrook has written many works for him, uh, people like Alan Stevenson. Uh, it's a great benefit to the repertoire of South African composers. And here comes another movement from Afri Sax by William Halbrich. Some singing there as well. Absolutely. Um, the, that's one of the things I, I find great about South African music is, is that whole idea that singing is such an important part of it. Um, and that being able to combine that with what we're doing in the saxophone world is, is really inspiring. And have you written some music yourself, or is that not your scene? No, that's not my <laughs> scene. Um, I've, I've made attempts, but they are not worthy of anything men worth mentioning. <laughs> and just tell us, because you've just had the, the saxophone symposium here, uh, and is there a sort of renewed or ongoing or growing interest in such an organization? Have you had a good response to it? We've had a good response. Um, we are constantly seeing what works well and seeing what we can do differently. Uh, a lot of my ideas have been based on things I've seen abroad in the U.S. and, and other countries. Um, and we're trying out things to see what works best for South African students. Uh, the majority of our participants uh, tend to be high school students and university students. Um, but we're seeing a growing number of professionals take an interest as well. Um, and myself and Karen Devroop, uh, who's one of the other directors of the South African Saxophone Society, we are constantly trying to find ways to encourage more participants to come to the events um, and to encourage more growth and more independent growth. And hasn't Karendra also been uh, playing around in America? I mean, I've, I've heard mm. that he's been playing at various events in America. 
Karendra's got a, a very prolific playing career. He's um, he actually studied in North Texas, as far as I remember, um, and he uh, is constantly. I mean, he he plays in Italy. He plays all over Europe. Uh, he just recently finished a, a fantastic project um, in collaboration with the U.S. Embassy here in South Africa, uh, called the the South African Songbook, uh, which is a, a a project with full orchestra and um, jazz saxophone. Yes, because I remember some people were booked recently to go and make a CD mm-hmm. recording. That's that's very exciting. So there's a growing interest in the saxophone uh, and a growing body of people who are playing it. Mm. So it sounds like a very positive story. I hope so, yes. And, and obviously led in part by you because with your uh, saxophone society, South African Saxophone Society, that must do something to to generate more interest and, and more participation from people. Yes, absolutely. And it's a very, very new organization. And it's it's something we're constantly looking to evolve in terms of how much more can we do? And what what else can we do? What's going to benefit the um, the saxophone enthusiast in South Africa? And are you already planning the next one? Uh, Yes, we are. (laughs) Here comes the third movement of the Afri sax piece by Willie Harbrich. That was the third movement from Afri Sax by Willie Halbrich, Cape Town-based composer, and it was played there by Matthew Lombard, who's my guest in People of Note. He is studying for the, at the moment for his doctorate at the University of California in Los Angeles, and he's the founder of the South African Saxophone Society. Matthew, where do you, uh, what are your origins, and how did you get interested in the saxophone? So I I attended um, a great high school, Pretoria Boys High School, um, and they have a fantastic music program even to today. And that was where I was encouraged to try out the saxophone. Uh, and it's back then it was as simple as uh, we had to choose between art and music, and I couldn't draw to save my life, so I decided music would be the safer bet. Um, I quickly picked up the instrument and uh, grew excited about it, and... After two or three years, I started um, actually taking it more seriously, and that sort of flourished into a career. And uh, Pretoria Boys High is, well, I can't say always, but for a long time, has had a very good name Mm -hmm. for music. Yes, it has. Um, Neil van der Vaart there is a a driving force behind the the music department and has been for quite some time. Um, And I've been fortunate to work under him as a teacher and also... uh, as a performer, our relationship between him as a composer and me as a performer has grown a lot. And I've actually had quite a few works uh, commissioned by him um, that that have been really influential in shaping my career as well. So it's a simple beginning. Choose music rather than art. And here you are doing a doctorate now. Yes. That's an amazing story. <laughs> it's surreal. Yeah. And uh, he's written some pieces for you, you say, and he has... One of them coming up now, this is from a piece called Concertino, and this first movement is called Longing. That was a piece by Neil van der Watt, Pretoria-based composer. It's a piece called Concertino, and that movement was called Longing. Do you have to help people who don't perhaps know all about composing for saxophone? Do you help them with telling them what is possible on the instrument? I mean, or is Neil sort of right up to speed? Um, well, I, uh, yes and no. Um, I I feel like 
composers are constantly coming for um, ideas to performers, and that close relationship is really valuable, especially now. Uh, Neil is uh, at this stage really used to the saxophone. He's really proficient with these things, and and he understands the instrument. Um, but at the same time, he's constantly looking for ideas as to what more is possible. Uh, sometimes to my detriment as a performer, um, but it's a really great working relationship in that way. And uh, I found that he his. Uh, his his forte has generally been choral music, and I really find that in recent years, especially, is he's moving to a lot more um, diverse things. And with the saxophone, particularly, his his writing, I think, is really incredible. So he pushes you, and you push him. Yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, if you were there at Pretoria Boys High as a student, you you obviously have come to know each other quite well over the years. Yes, we have. I mean. One of the most exciting things I, I've done is um, the culmination of my work with him uh, through student years and as a teacher there. Um, we actually recorded a CD together uh, of all his music and uh, and my playing. Um, all of his saxophone music on one CD were, was recorded just before I left for Los Angeles to pursue my doctorate. Uh, and that was a, a great ending to my time at Boys High in a way. Did you teach there as well? I did teach there. I I kind of never left that school. <laughs> so I, I was there as a high school boy, and I loved it. Um, and when I left, um, my teacher at the time was about to embark on a trip to the UK to pursue postdoctoral studies. Um, and he uh, kind of started handing the baton on to me. And uh, six months after I left and matriculated from Boys High, I started teaching part-time. Yeah. Gosh, and then, so where did you do your undergraduate studies? I was studying at the University of Pretoria um, and obviously also teaching part-time uh, on the side, which I found has been really uh, important in my career because I, I built a lot of contacts. I got a lot of experience early on, uh, and that was really great. Well, here's another movement of that piece by Neil van der Watt called Concertina. This one is called Celebrating. That was my guest in People of Note, Matthew Lombard, playing the saxophone. The piece was called Celebrating from Concertino by Neil van der Watt and accompanied by the Irfurt van Niekerk String Ensemble. And it's very nice, of course, to have tame string players on hand that can play. Uh, Irfurt plays a lot around uh, Gauteng. Uh, he plays in the Joburg Festival Orchestra. He's done a lot with me. Uh, we're going off to Baroque in the Bush shortly, and he'll be one of the people playing there as well. So mm. it's amazing how these players all get around playing all over the place. And I'm sure you've built up some, some good relationships there with players as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Evert was not only a fantastic player, but a great organizer. And he, he basically organized the whole string orchestra for me for these recordings, which was really fantastic and helpful. Um, <clears throat> and yes, I've, I've been able to develop a lot of relationships with string players. Um, I was an orchestral French horn player for many years um, back in the day, and eventually I decided to focus more on the saxophone um, as I wasn't finding enough time for, for the horn. Um, but all those experiences I built have been very instrumental in organizing things like this. And when you go to America now, is, is the sort of vibe very much the same there, or is it different, or is it more lively, or just give us an idea of what, what you found in America. So um, America's a big place, and, and there's, there's a lot happening in many different places. And in Los Angeles, there's a, 
um, a very, uh, well, I suppose all over the place, there's a very established culture of saxophone playing. Uh, they over there they have the North American Saxophone Alliance or NASA, um, and we we find that quite funny <laughs> when we are attending a NASA conference. Um, and there's just so much going on there; it's incredible. So many composers collaborating. Um, there is a very high standard of playing. America is very influenced by the European styles of playing, particularly French. Um, but you also find that in different states you have different influences as well. I mean, Doug Masek, my professor at UCLA, is uh, a good example of that. He was quite influ quite heavily influenced by jazz, um, and that has shaped his particular sound, which I find very unique even for an American player. But you are more interested in classical saxophone playing. Yes. Is that right? That's right, yeah. So just for our listeners, just distinguish between the two. There's mm -hmm. jazz saxophone and classical saxophone. Tell us about what distinguishes the two. Right, so I, I find those two distinctions maybe too broad, um, generally, and uh, but it's an easy way to kind of verbalize what you mean. Uh, and for me, jazz playing can encompass a variety of styles, uh, be it bebop or funk or uh, smooth jazz or whatever it is, free jazz. With classical saxophone playing, um, it is more easily understood maybe as uh, concert saxophone playing or music for the concert stage, um, formal music. Much of what I do is not based in any way in the classical period, but more based in the contemporary repertoire of composers here. Well, here comes one now, Alex Shapiro. Okay, that was a little different. Just tell us about that. That was Desert Tide by Alex Shapiro. Again, it was you playing. Yes, so um, Alex Shapiro... Uh, loves playing, as the title suggests, with ideas of nature and how to incorporate that into music. Uh, and that was a piece written for soprano saxophone and electronic soundscape, as she calls it. So uh, what you were hearing was um, produced sounds, uh, electronically produced sounds that emulate types of ideas that you would find typically in a desert setting, particularly the Mojave Desert in um, California, where it kind of takes you through a storm in the desert and uh, it, it brings you into that kind of space. And uh, I feel that it's really effective in the way she, do, she incorporates um, those electronic sounds and, and immerses you in that kind of feeling. And so this type of piece is uh, quite popular in the States and quite common. You, you find a lot of music along these lines. Yes. Um, I mean, like I said, th there's such a, a variety of stuff happening there. Uh, electronic music is starting to come uh, to the forefront, too, because of the, the advancement of technology, the possibilities that are out there. Um, I was recently in Croatia for the World Saxophone Congress, and they you see interesting things developing even with electronic wind instruments. Um, where people are producing whole recitals uh, using just an electronic instrument. Um, and these electronic wind instruments are also not purely electronic. You use the air to actually manipulate the sound, and it's kind of electroacoustic instruments in a okay, way. Okay, I sort of vaguely have a memory of a thing called an electronic valve instrument, an EVI, mm -hmm. uh, which was played by Bruce Cassidy. Yeah. And uh, we did a concerto for that many years ago, mm -hmm. uh, where I think it was the pressure of his teeth or something which changed the, yes. the pitch of the instrument. It was a very interesting piece. And mm. you're, you're saying this is a similar sort of thing. Very similar. They're, they're, again, they're constantly evolving. And um, the newest one is called an aerophone, I think. Um, and 
the the amount the way the air goes into the instrument actually determines the sound and obviously you have keys that are traditionally like a saxophone and uh, there are a lot of things you can do with them. Um, and are you moving in that direction? Not particularly, no. no. Uh, I haven't really explored that. I have colleagues that have and, and really enjoy that. Um, but for me, um, keeping it simple is good for now. <laughs> <laughs> and th- that's presumably you play different saxophones. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but here comes a piece called Hypernova by Alastair Penman. Just give us a brief introduction. So Hypernova um, is basically an introductory type of uh, saxophone electronics piece using a digital delay effect that you'll hear, and it's um, by UK-based composer Alastair Penman. That was called Hypernova by the composer Alastair Penman, and again it was played by Matthew Lombard, who's my guest in People of Note. He's doing his doctorate at the University of California in Los Angeles. And I think you told me off air that that uh, you came across while you were doing your master's in Manchester. Yes. Um, Alistair, I met in Manchester when I was doing my master's, and we we collaborated a lot together, um, including uh, in the World Congress very recently in um, Zagreb, Croatia. And we did a duo recital, and he wrote a new piece for us uh, that we'll record soon and, and also get out there. Yeah. But now we're moving a little bit back in time because we found a recording of you uh, playing with the Joburg Music Initiative and with J.B. Arthur conducting. This is a piece by Petro Ituralde uh, called Pequena Chardas. Perhaps you can just give us a little introduction to this. This is a great piece um, that I played uh, quite some time ago uh, with one of the great orchestras here in Johannesburg. Um, and it's it's a, a great showpiece for the saxophone, uh, including very lyrical moments and very sort of virtuosic fast moments. Um, and this arrangement was actually done by uh, Peter McClee, who is one of the very prominent arrangers here in Johannesburg. So here it is, Pequena Chardas. That was... Pequena Chardas by Petro Ituralde, played by Matthew Lombard with the Joburg Music Initiative strings conducted by J.B. Arthur. And Matthew Lombard is my guest in People of Note. It's just about 7 o'clock. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back after this. And welcome back to the second hour of People of Note with me, Richard Koch. My guest tonight is Matthew Lombard, who at present is the University of California in Los Angeles doing a doctorate in saxophone. I was going to say classical saxophone, but I I mean that in the widest sense, uh, not jazz. He's also the founder of the South African Saxophone Society, and they've just been having uh, a big meeting here in South Africa, uh, held here in Joburg. And Doug Masek, whom I interviewed a couple of weeks ago in this program, has been out here to lead that saxophone symposium. But a couple of times, Matthew, you've mentioned Zagreb and Croatia, yes. which seems like quite an exotic place to have a <laughs> saxophone convention or alliance mm-hmm. or whatever you had there. Just, mm-hmm. just tell us a bit about that. So every three years, um, the, there's an establishment called the International Saxophone Committee, and they produce a World Saxophone Congress. Uh, much like what we had here recently, the World Choir Games. Um, and they have saxophone players from all over the world. Like, like hundreds of them. 
thousands of thousands them, of them. Uh, collect in one city um, and each time uh, there are two or three cities that that put in a proposal to bid when uh, or to host uh, one of these conferences uh, and this year it happened to be in Zagreb Croatia at a very interesting time during the World Cup um, which was exciting as well uh, and it was it was definitely an eye-opening experience for me because it was the first time I could attend one of these world conferences uh, thanks to some travel funding I got from UCLA as a graduate student. Um, and I was able to perform two recitals there, which was very great. Um, and one of them was South African music uh, that I performed for saxophone and piano, uh, where I performed a piece by Claire Loveday and Neil van Avart. Uh, and the other one was a, a duo recital with my colleague in the UK, Alistair Penman, who we heard uh, a little bit earlier. Um, and just being able to network and connect with all these players from around the world has been incredible. I've met people from Costa Rica and um, Strasbourg. And I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Uh, and even great. South Africa. I, I met one guy from <laughs> South Africa as well who's currently studying in Strasbourg. Um, yeah. Adam Campbell. Uh, has been living in France for a while, pursuing his studies and and also doing the the in the broad sense classical saxophone thing. And it was really encouraging to meet with him and to chat with him about ideas. And we're looking to get him on board with some of our planning too. And in the longer term, are these people looking perhaps to coming back here to to promote the saxophone, or is there not enough opportunity here? Um, I see lack of opportunity as more opportunity in a way um, because we are growing things there's going to be a perception of lack of opportunity. And for me, that is a, a great thing because there's there's a chance for me to build something and to create something. Your next piece is called Interference. It's by Will Gregory. It's a slightly longer piece, so we're going to listen to this and then you can tell us about it. That's going to need some explanation. Absolutely. That was called Interference by Will Gregory, played by my guest, Matthew Lombard. So that was... Um, that was a play off of the old uh, AM transmitter radio. Uh, and a lot of the opening sounds you heard in that were uh, kind of sort of static sounds or white noise sounds. And the saxophone produces um, extended techniques in order to emulate some of those sounds uh, that are produced electronically. Uh, some of those techniques are called multiphonics. That's what you heard the piece close with. Um, which is essentially a, a, a cluster of notes played on the saxophone um, by manipulating the keywork in order to get this sort of crunchy, sort of dissonant sound. And you often hear that stuff in jazz as well. Absolutely, very yeah. much. Maybe yeah. more so. More yes. so, yeah. And also, you can probably sing at the same time as playing, can you? Yes, you can, yeah. I, I can't sing very well, but uh, in theory, uh, the concept of even just humming while playing is what you would refer to as growling, which you hear in jazz a lot. Uh, and there are, there's a pl Dutch player um, called Raf Heckemer who's recorded the Paganini Caprices, his own transcription, where the double stops he sings, and it's incredible. Uh, I, I find I'm not quite at that point yet, but it's something that is definitely in the realm of possibility. Yeah. No, it is amazing what, what people do and experiment with sounds and mm. and just generally try to find new sounds. I mean, it's wonderful, actually, how one can push the borders, the limits of mm. these things. Yes. And and the saxophone is still young enough to do that. Mm, definitely. Because yeah. yeah. the saxophone itself dates from when? The saxophone was invented around 1840, and it was first patented by Adolf Sax in around 1842. 
um, and it's, it only really grew uh, in popularity in the 1900s. Um, there, there's a very controversial history of the saxophone and the reception of the saxophone um, because Adolf Sax was a not, not a very well-liked person um, by other musicians and by other composers. Um, and even though people like Berlioz uh, endorsed the saxophone and and wrote glowing reviews about the instrument, composers never really took it seriously until the 1900s. Since when they've taken it extremely seriously. Very much so. <laughs> well, here comes another piece now by Neil van der Watt. It's called Laminant, and it features my guest, Matthew Lombard, and Annaline Ball. Matthew Lombard playing the saxophone, Annaline Ball, the piano. That was called Laminant by Neil van der Watt, and we heard some Neil van der Watt pieces earlier in the program. Is he still writing for you? Um, or do you need to commission him now? I need to commission him now. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I, I've been um, being in America for two years already. It's It's been a little... I've been so focused on my doctorate, and I haven't really... I've started now um, putting in more requests to Samro over here to... Um, commission works uh, to whom many of these works are attributed anyway um, so they've been a great um, help to me and support to me just give us an idea now because we have quite a lot of people going away to do doctorates in other countries mm. yours is a three-year course is it yes and what does it involve so my course is a doctor of musical arts and I think those are only offered generally in America and maybe Australia um, and it's a performance practice-based doctorate, uh, and it's basically two years of coursework, which includes seminars and performance practice um, classes and, and things like that. Um, and the third year is essentially uh, writing the dissertation and playing your final recital. So in theory, the requirements are um, completing three full-length recitals and writing a dissertation. And some of these you've done already? Yes, I've done yes. the first two recitals, um, and I've just advanced to candidacy, so now I'm, um, you need to pass a number of qualification exams, and they, they tear you apart for a while, and eventually you're free to write. <laughs> and the, your dissertation is on what subject? I'm going to be writing on 19th century saxophone performance practice. So the early performance practice, uh, I mentioned earlier that the instrument didn't really take off until the 19th century, and I'm exploring that repertoire that was written during Adolf Sachs' time that is still not really taken too seriously today. Um, and I'm going to take a deeper look at that and look at the performance practice issues that come up from that. It's quite interesting because quite a few composers used it early on in orchestras. Bizet, I'm thinking, probably a lot mm -hmm. of French composers. Mm -hmm. um, and then it sort of fell away, mm -hmm. rather. But now it's come back rather big time. Yes, absolutely. I, I wonder mean, why that was. Well, it was partly because of the reception of the instrument in the beginning. Um, Adolf Sachs was, if you can believe it, getting death threats. Um, there were assassination attempts on his life because people didn't like what he was doing. And um, that caused a, a big sort of tarnish on the instrument in a way. Um, and why, why was that? Well, that was because the the musicians were not interested in um, taking up the instrument, and the rival instrument makers um, had formed associations uh, to prevent him from continuing because they were jealous of his success, I guess. Amazing. Well, your next choice is by Alastair Penman. We've had something by him before, and he was from Manchester. This is called Sandbox. Sandbox. 
Now, that obviously featured several saxophones. Yes, one player. One player? That's right. Overdubbing. Yes. Uh, so it's a layered composition, um, and it explores the effects of, of looping um, in within the context of the piece. Um, and sandbox, in terms of the name, is an engineering term uh, where you experiment with ideas and you, you play around with things within a controlled environment. And that's where his concept came from. Um, so at the at the fullest extent of it, there are 10 versions of me playing at the same time in that track. So it's like a one-off performance. It's not yes. easy to replicate. Uh, you replicate it using, uh, fortunately, with the advancement of technology again, you can actually replicate, replicate a lot of those uh, looped functions. Uh, obviously, you need some pre-recorded stuff to play with, but uh, you can very much loop yourself playing something and then play something over that. Is that quite common now? It's becoming more popular. Um, guitarists that use effect pedals, um, saxophone players have done the same thing now. So you can plug a microphone into an effects pedal and put it through a system and do all sorts of interesting things. So you now have to have a sort of suitcase of electronics to go with you as well. You do. And fortunately, those electronics are getting smaller and smaller, so you can start putting them into maybe backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> And you are doing that because that's an interesting mm -hmm. side of what you do. Yes. Uh, last year for the symposium, I, I did a whole electroacoustic recital uh, where I, I did that. We, you tend to use sound systems that are at the venues that you're playing, but um, the basics are done on the computer and with interfaces and things like that. So I can see you're becoming a composer also. Because surely wow. in these pieces where you, you lay something down and then play over the top of it, you, mm. it's, you are creating the piece. In yes. a way. In a, in a way, yes. Yeah. Good. Well, this is fantastic. <laughs> so I look forward to more compositions by Matthew Lombard in the future. <laughs> now, here's another piece by Neil van der Watt. This one is called, uh, from a piece called Sonare. It's called Bouncy. That was music by Neil van der Watt. Bouncy from his piece called Sonare. And that, again, was the Erfurt van Niekerk string ensemble. And do you often play unaccompanied, or are you always accompanied by someone? Well, part of um, some of the work I've done with electronics has meant that I can play without any other musicians. Well, except you're um, playing with your own recordings. Then, yes, so it becomes sure. sort of multiple sounds. Right, right. I, I, I do enjoy um, mixing up instrumentation within a program so to, to break the wall of sound sometimes for the listeners. Uh, and to stick in uh, an unaccompanied piece here and there is really valuable, I find. And uh, there is an unaccompanied piece coming up now. That's right. Um, Astro Piazzolla's uh, tango etude. Um, he wrote a series of etudes uh, in his tango nuevo style, and this is just one of them that I really cherish. And this is not with any backings? Nothing. nothing. It's just you? Just me. That was Tango Etude by Astor Piazzolla. Matthew Lombard was the player, and he's my guest in People of Note on Classic 1027. Well, we're almost at the end of the program, and I see your final choice features a saxophone group. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I think this is an amazing sound, and Isak Ru is an interesting composer. Absolutely. So yeah. just tell us about this piece. Uh, it's played by Fierfab and Saxophone, and, and about perhaps groups of saxophone players. Tell us mm -hmm. about that. So the saxophone quartet is a very popular thing, and it has been since 1846, I think, <coughs> Excuse me, when the, the first saxophone quartet was formed. 
And traditionally, the saxophone quartet is very much like the string quartet in voicings. Uh, we have the soprano saxophone, the alto saxophone, the tenor saxophone, and the baritone. Um, and it's extremely popular amongst composers because of the, the versatility of sound uh, and the possibilities. And obviously, as a saxophone quartet, you can play transcriptions, you can play original pieces. Um, th the possibilities are endless. I've been fortunate to play in a few saxophone quartets, uh, both here and abroad. Um, and it's, it's just such a great learning experience to make that kind of chamber music. And Isaac Ru, the composer of this? Isaac Ru, um, I've known of for quite some time because of this group that we'll be listening to um, particularly. And uh, his music is, is, again, distinctly African and, and has a really interesting rhythmic feel, uh, is what you'll hear. Um, and I think he's currently living in Germany at the moment, but I've been in touch with him on several occasions just to talking about his music and uh, performing his music uh, here and abroad. And I just I think it's incredible. And obviously, that's something that we can give to the saxophone world is this particular African feel yes. that he manages to get and Willie Harbrick manages to get. Sure, definitely. And that's what we're going to hear now. Tequini Suite by Isaac Ru. It's played by a German group called Vierfarben Saxophon. You've been listening to Tequini Suite by South African composer Isaac Ru. It was played by the German ensemble Vierfarben Saxophon. It was one of the few pieces that Matthew Lombard wasn't playing in himself because that's who I've been speaking to on People of Note. Matthew Lombard is at the University of California in Los Angeles doing his doctorate in saxophone. He's the founder of the South African Saxophone Society, and they've just had their National Saxophone Symposium here in South Africa. And I'm sure we'll be hearing more about you in the future, because once you've finished your doctorate, then we wait to see what's going to happen after that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's quite exciting to hear what's going on in the saxophone world and how instruments and playing techniques are still developing. Yes, absolutely. And that's something that I'm very much passionate about in the long term is um, bringing the knowledge that I'm attaining from abroad here to South Africa. And I'm very excited for things that are happening here already, and I'm very excited for future things that are in the works. So, dear listeners, please watch this space. And remember, you heard it here on Classic 1027, Matthew Lombard. Just before he gets his doctorate, he will be back soon. And we will be back soon with more music here on Classic 1027 because we've come to the end of this program now. So we must just say thank you for listening. Thank you to Matthew very much. Thank you, Richard, for having me. It's a great pleasure. And thank you to Pete for helping us put it all together. I'll be back with Full Works each weekday evening from 8 to 11, so don't forget to listen to that. And there's lots coming up, so do stay tuned to Classic 1027.